We're going to start today looking at the gift of miracles. Now, what's important to understand is this, that God in His infinite wisdom and power set in motion the world that we live in and the natural laws that we must abide by. Not the laws of the land, but natural laws like gravity. So in and of itself, creation is a miraculous intervention from God. From nothing, He created everything. He is the creator and the sustainer of all things. So God is naturally miraculous. Amen? The book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. God from nothing created everything. And everything that He created is sustained in Him and for Him. There's an old preacher, and she used to say, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. Because God is miraculous. And so I quickly wanted to define a miracle and trying to work through an understanding if God is all things miraculous and everything that he created is a miracle, then the everyday life that we live is miraculous. Some things that become normal or mundane, like the birth of a newborn baby, is miraculous. The way our bodies function is miraculous. Everything that he's created for our daily lives is miraculous, but I wanted to try and help define this word miracle that goes beyond just the regular miracles, if we can call them that. A miracle defined, I've put, is this, when God, who is always everywhere at the same time, chooses to make his power seen or experienced in ways that surprise us, alert us, and bear witness to his unmatched power, glory, and greatness. A miracle is a divine intervention of what was miraculously set in natural order from the beginning. So life itself is miraculous. Yet when we look at this idea of miracles in the Bible, we're saying that there's something significant that happens where the divine God of the universe miraculously, dare I say, overrides his initial miraculous creation. So it's a divine intervention of that which is already miraculous, what was said in order from the beginning. Miracles we know in the Bible from Jesus, there's a few famous ones like Jesus walking on water. We know that in the natural creation of the world, that water was created not to be stood on. Amen. Yet God intervenes in his already miraculous creation where Jesus is found to be walking on that which you cannot walk on. 
It's miraculous. In fact, not just Jesus, but then Peter also walked miraculously on water. Another one we know famously is that Jesus turned water into wine. Anybody tried that? Save a couple of you a lot of dollars. Let's point them out. Who is it? You're like, I don't drink wine. Get that smooth Tennessee whiskey. Where's Aaron? We need you back, buddy. But Jesus comes, and there are empty barrels, and there's a wedding. They're out of wine. And Jesus says, hey, go fill them with water. Now, naturally, water cannot become wine. Yet Jesus says, just go and do it. And when he does it, they take it to the master of the feast, of the, of the festival, the guy running the wedding, and he pours it out into his glass, and it's wine. So Jesus is a miracle worker, yet we know that God created all things miraculously, but his miracles intervene what is already natural. Another one, which is not talked about so commonly when we talk about miracles, is the miracle where uh, one of the apostles, Philip, teleports. You guys know there's teleportation in the Bible? Come on, somebody. Acts chapter 8, verse 38. It says, And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then when they came up out of the water, it says the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. If you didn't know, it is not natural to be in one place and all of a sudden be in a, another place. For some of you, like, I do it all the time. Again, that's because you're back with that Tennessee whiskey stuff. You just can't remember the journey there. Not in this church. Eh? That's the church down the road. I won't name them, but I can think of a couple. I'm just joking. Just joking. But it's... Yes, Lord. <laughs> Another one famously, Jesus. He feeds 5,000 people. He takes a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And the Bible says that he blessed it and he prayed for it. And what could have only fed maybe 10-ish people miraculously somehow multiplied and feeds 5,000, if not more people. That's a miracle because naturally a couple of fish and a couple of loaves cannot feed 5,000 people. So then that brings us to the spiritual gift of miracles. Because if we know that God's a miracle worker, we know that his creation in and of itself is miraculous, we know that Jesus, I don't like to use the word perform, but perform miracles among people. We know that the apostles experienced miracles on many different occasions. Then we get to the gift of miracles. 
And for clarity's sake, in our current world, we would define things like healings as miracles. But here we're not talking about the miracle of divine healing. We're talking about miracles, things that are not supposed to happen, that do happen, things that invade God's natural order and law that he created. So I've defined the spiritual gift of miracles like this. The spiritual gift of miracles is the ability given by the Holy Spirit to perform extraordinary acts that demonstrate God's power and go beyond natural laws. It involves the intervention of God to bring about events or outcomes that are beyond human capability or understanding. Now, this is a gift that the Spirit has given to the people of God. Certain people of God carry this gift of miracles. Now, it's important to understand that the gift of miracle is not the Bible's version of Gandalf. It's, there's a, it's not m- miracles and being a magician are not the same thing. It's not magic. This is the miraculous. Because the miracles that are performed are not performed by human effort or manipulation, but they are gifts of miracles given and for the people to be entirely dependent upon the Holy Spirit's work. And the purpose of the gift of miracles is to authenticate the message of the gospel and ultimately to bring glory to God by displaying His power and reality in the world. The thing about the gift of miracles, and I heard somebody try and categorize it like this, where there are certain gifts that are everyday gifts. The gift of serving, you can function in your spiritual gift of serving daily, and the gift of encouragement or leadership or teaching. But there are certain gifts that are seemingly circumstantial. And the gift of miracles would seem to be one of those character, uh, those in the category of circumstantial miracles that they are performed by individuals in moments when it's needed to bring breakthrough, to bring change, to bring the power of God on display for the purpose of witnessing to the world about Jesus and giving glory and honor to God. And the reason we think this is that we know that this gift exists, yet tell me one person who at will can go and turn water into wine. Because it's not the way the gift was designed. It's not the way that God has given this gift. Ultimately, that we have Christian magicians walking around, Christian wizards or warlocks running around, performing to try and gain notoriety or to exercise or abuse their power. No, these gifts have been poured out. Even Jesus didn't walk around constantly just doing miracle after miracle. Yet when the moment called, he turned a few fish into a couple of loaves. When Philip was, the moment called for it, Philip was taken away by the Holy Spirit that he was there and then he wasn't. In fact, I've heard stories of missionaries in the far corners of the jungle taking the gospel to people and they can't get to the place they're needing to get. And one story goes, the man's riding his, his uh, scooter through the jungle and he hits a bump 
and he's two hours away from his destination, yet he lands in the village where he's supposed to be. You see, the thing about miracles are they are not possible with human effort. They are not possible in being able to conjure up a miracle. They are possible entirely by the grace gift given to people for a moment to bring power to the world, to display Jesus and to display the honor and glory of the majesty of the Lord God Almighty. We're not talking about the gift of wizardry. We're talking about the gift of miracles that God has set aside to glorify His name. Amen? The spiritual gift of miracles, the supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit to perform extraordinary acts that demonstrate God's power and go beyond natural laws. The second today is the spiritual gift of healing. Now, healing is something that our church does not shy away from at all. It's something we believe is a powerful uh, ministry that God has given the church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9, he talks about this gift. He says, To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Now, something interesting for us to note here that is different from all the other gifts is that for the gift of healing, it actually says gifts. Of healing. It's the only plural of the gifts. And the reason why I believe that to be true, we're going to get to in a minute, but what I want us to understand here is that the spiritual gift of healing is different to the command or the commission for believers to pray for healing. I remember a story once my little brother used to run around all over the joint praying for people to get healed. And he would see many people healed. And I remember a, a young pastor coming to me and saying, man, it's amazing your brother has the gift of healing. And I responded, I said, man, it's amazing what he's doing. It's amazing what God's doing through him. But dare I say it's not the gift of healing, but just an obedient son of God. Because I said, if I had to count how many people he prays for for healing, it would be in the thousands. And for those that think maybe I don't have the gift, normally have not prayed for many, if any. And so there's a commission and a command from the Lord Jesus for believers to pray for the sick to be healed. That's why every week at church, we open up an opportunity for people to raise their hand and other believers lay their hands upon your shoulder and they believe for you to be healed. In the book of um, Matthew, this one won't be on the screen, but Matthew chapter 10, verses 5, it says that these, uh, these 12 Jesus sent out, and he instructed them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town on, uh, of the Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Preach the gospel, he's saying. And then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, so give without pay. Jesus commissioned his disciples to go into the world to drive out demons and to pray for sick people. 
It's a commission that Jesus gave his disciples. Then we see, that. so that's, like the, that's what I'd call the initial commission. And then we have the great commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 20, he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So some people like to push back and say, Jesus only commissioned his disciples to go and drive out demons, to raise the dead and to pray for the sick. But Jesus says, go into all the world and teach other believers everything that I have taught you because that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is taking what Jesus has taught you and you teach somebody else and it becomes this overflow of a life poured into somebody else's life. We have the initial commission to pray for the sick and then we have the great commission for all believers to pray for the sick. And so what we need to understand is that the, the command or the commission of believers to pray for sick people is not the same as the gift of healing that Paul is speaking about. The spiritual gift of healing is, an, is, is the ability given by the Holy Spirit to pray for the sick and see God bring about healing from sickness, disease, injury, or torment. And this gift operates through the power of the Holy Spirit and it's distinct from natural remedies or medical interventions. And this gift emphasizes the supernatural intervention of God in the healing process. What's important for the clarification is who's thankful that we have doctors? Amen. We're thankful that God has given people these abilities to go and, and help cure humanity. One guy once said, most doctors are more in line with the will of God than most Christians. They actually want to see the sick healed. But the thing is here is that when it becomes this gift of healing, it is not the same as the the gift that doctors may have to help cure somebody. We know that God's a healer. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. But the gift of healing is a gift given to individuals to supernaturally see people healed from sickness, disease, injury, and torment. I believe the gift of healing was at work when the Peter and John were at what we know famously as the gate beautiful. And Peter walks up and there's a crippled man on the ground. And the man looks up looking for money. He's looking for alms, the Bible says. And Peter responds, he says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And it says the man immediately leapt to his feet and began moving around as strength restored to his legs, his feet, his ankles, whatever was needed. You see, Peter moved here, although he's an apostle, we know that he moved powerfully in the, in the gift of healing. He was another time walking through the streets and his shadow was going over people and it says that they were being cured of their illnesses and demons were leaving them. This is obviously not the normal experience for everybody. But here the gift 
of healing manifests itself. And the why I believe it's the gifts of healing and is, is important, it's because I believe that God delivers them like gifts to people for certain circumstances or situations. And I don't believe this discredits the ability for a believer to lay hands on a sick person to see them healed. I believe it every day. I don't function, I believe, in the gift of healing like the Bible talks about. I do function in the gift of obedience that Jesus said, lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. And over my however many years of ministry, I've seen countless people miraculously healed. I do believe one time that I was functioning in this gift of healing was right here in the front row in this church before it was City Point Church around 2013, 2014. We prayed for a lot of people and they were being healed and a line uh, happened down the bottom here as people were lining up to be healed and for the next hour or so, Savannah and I were praying for one person after another and every single one of them was healed. I believe God was pouring out gifts of healing that day for his power to be manifested, for his name to be made great. This is what I believe the spiritual gifts of healing is. And I'm cautious here because what can happen too easily is that we can use the gifts of healing as a way to get out of the responsibility of being a believer. And the, ability of, the, the, the responsibility of believers is to pray for the sick to see them healed. To believe Jesus to do mighty miracles among the people. Amen. And then we come to the gift of faith. Now the gift of faith is an interesting gift because faith is a very broad term within Scripture. Faith is not just a gift that we can function in. Here, faith... I. I've sort of categorized into three areas. The first one is there's saving faith. This is the faith that is required to believe in Jesus for salvation. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Or the book of Romans uh, chapter 3 verse 28 says, For behold that one is justified apart from the works of the law. Sorry, justified by faith, apart from the law, meaning we're not justified or saved by doing good things, but by faith. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the, the, the saving faith, the faith that says, I believe in Jesus, and now my life has been turned from darkness to light. I was dead, and now I'm alive because of Jesus. It's saving faith, but this is not the spiritual gift of faith. The second that I see is what I've called sustaining faith. And this is the kind of faith that we have to live life every day as a Christian, believing that his promises are yes and amen. I believe it's the kind of faith when the Apostle Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. He's saying, I'm saved, and this life that I now live, I live by faith in the one who gave himself for me. Or the book of Romans, Paul says in first Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also 
to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. For as it is written, the just, those who have been justified, shall live by faith. This is the sustaining faith that we need constantly to function in to live a Christian life. This is not the spiritual gift of faith. This is sustaining faith in Christ for the very breath that we breathe. Amen. And then the last one being supernatural faith, which I believe is the spiritual gift of faith. The worship team can join me. Spiritual gift of faith is the ability given to believers, enabling them to trust in God's power beyond what is natural or rational. It goes beyond regular faith and involves unwavering confidence in God's presence, provision, and ability to work in miraculous ways, even in challenging or seemingly impossible situations. The gift of faith is the ability to look beyond what's in front of you and say, I know my God is greater. The gift of faith weaves its way into the miraculous nature of the Christian life. The gift of faith on those people are those people who look at impossible situations and they're not relying on God's promises from yesterday. They're not looking for that testimony to build courage on the inside of them today. It is a gift given by God in a moment to accomplish something beyond the natural realm. The gift that's given to accomplish something that beyond what is normal. These people make you uncomfortable. These people make you feel afraid. It's the kind of faith that sees mountains move when you're in the face of them. We serve a miraculous God who's given gifts of miracles to men to bring honor and glory to his name, to display his supernatural power. We serve a miraculous God that gives gifts of healing to people, to see people supernaturally healed of every sickness and every disease and every injury and every uh, form of torment. We serve a miraculous God that releases the gift of faith for people to rise up in the body of Christ, to build up the church of Jesus Christ, to stand in the gap when you don't have faith, to stand in the gap when you're struggling to believe, to stand in the gap when there's an impossible situation. The gift of faith rises up and says, if God, all things are possible. And it's not just an empty statement of faith, but something shifts in the atmosphere, something shifts in the realm, amen?